Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. KFI and KOST HD2. Los Angeles, Orange County. It's time for your morning wake-up call. Here's Chris Little. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Good morning. This is your wake-up call for Wednesday, December 29th. Jennifer Jones-Lee is on vacation. Here's what's ahead for you on your wake-up call. The long-feared spike in hospitalizations because of COVID-19 may be materializing at health facilities here in Southern California. The number of COVID patients in Los Angeles County hospitals shot up well over 1,000. Uh, yesterday, rising to more than 100 from uh, Monday's total. Uh, Orange County saw its total jump above 300. Cases also continued to spike, with L.A. County reporting over 9,400 and Orange County nearly 1,000. Health authorities are worried that more dramatic increases in patients could overwhelm hospitals that are already dealing with reduced staffing levels. NFL Hall of Famer John Madden has died. Madden was one of America's most recognizable ambassadors of professional football. He was a coach, a broadcaster, a funny guy, and he got into the video game market. John Madden was 85. Rain and snow is going to make a dramatic return to the Southland this morning developing up to several inches of rain over the next two days and bringing a few feet of snow to the mountains. A winter storm warning is in effect from 1 a.m. today, so it's already in effect until 4 a.m. Friday in the uh, L.A. County Mountains, and uh, flood watch is in effect at Orange County Beaches. Voluntary evacuation warnings go into effect at 10 this morning for the Silverado, Williams, and Mojeska Canyons areas, and those are in the fireburn areas And, of course, uh, the worry is mudslides. At 5.05, we're going to talk with ABC White House correspondent Elizabeth Schulze. President Biden is revoking travel bans on eight countries in South Africa, Southern Africa. Uh, We're going to talk to Elizabeth about what prompted that decision. Now back to some of the top stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. The parents of the 14-year-old girl who was accidentally shot and killed by police in North Hollywood are demanding transparency while the shooting is under investigation. Valentina, life matters! Valentina, life matters! The girl's mother says her daughter was shot as the two were hiding in a dressing room. An attorney for the family read a statement from the girl's mother detailing the moments her daughter was shot. Her body went limp. I tried to wake up by shaking her, 
but she didn't wake up. Attorneys for the girl's family say they want all of the evidence around the girl's killing to be made available. They say they believe there is more video than what has been released. In downtown L.A., Blake Trolley, KFI News. A new lawsuit claims women were sexually abused and photographed during sex exams, uh, during exams by two UCLA gynecologists. I'm sorry. Jane Doe 1 struggled to recount her claims against Dr. Edward Wiesmeyer. He made me feel terrible about myself, and then he tortured me and experimented on me. Lawyer Jennifer McGrath says two of the four women in the lawsuit claim abuse by both Dr. James Heaps, who's pleaded not guilty to 21 felonies, and Wiesmeyer. UCLA has actually admitted that he consistently engaged in non-medical touching of women's intimate body parts. UCLA's apologized and says reforms to prevent such behavior are in place. In L.A., Corbin Carson, KFI News. 5.05 on your wake-up call. President Biden has signed a proclamation revoking travel bans on eight countries in Southern Africa where Omicron was detected by scientists late last month. Let's say good morning to ABC News White House correspondent Elizabeth Schulze. Hey, Elizabeth, uh, what prompted the president's proclamation? Hey, good morning, Chris. Well, basically, the president says he's revoking these travel bans because we now have better knowledge about the variant. We know more about the effectiveness of vaccines and we have better testing requirements for international travelers. So the, the White House says that these travel restrictions bought them time between the end of November when they went in place and between now, as we've seen, Omicron basically spread, not just within those countries across the world, but obviously here in the United States, too. You know, Biden had faced quite a bit of backlash for putting these travel bans into place. It was kind of the knee-jerk reaction from the U.S. and several other countries, too. And the World Health Organization said this is ineffective. He, the leaders and health officials called it kind of unfair to the local economies of those African countries. And now those bans have been lifted, at least by the United States. And uh, other countries have also lifted the bans, right? Or are there still some with the bans still in place and others who beat us to the yes. punch? The United, the United Kingdom went ahead with some, lifting some of the restrictions, too. I mean, at the end of the day, it became pretty clear that if the goal was to stop the spread of Omicron, it wasn't working. You know, we've seen this happen before where a lot of these variants were already detected, even just as the bans went in place. You know, the Biden administration says that this bought them some time to try to understand exactly more about the variant. Frankly, there are still we do a lot we do not know about the variant. But on the other hand, there was the backlash because of this idea that by coming out so quickly with travel restrictions, it would disincentivize countries in the future from saying that they have variants at all and from disclosing that from the international community. So the uh, uh, the the uh, change comes when? The change goes into a place at the start, at the beginning, at the end of this year, these requirements will lift. So we're looking at, you know, I mean, a couple of days here before uh, non-travelers, non-citizens will be able to travel again. Mm -hmm. There had been kind of some some uh, exceptions for citizens getting into these eight countries, but now that'll, that'll stop uh, at the end of the month. And now that Omicron is uh, prevalent here in the U.S., it seems like, and I think you alluded to it, that the ban was really no longer helpful, uh, you know, in cutting back on the or preventing the spread of the uh, variant. Yeah, you know, I think that's really the, the reality. We've seen it not just with Omicron, but we saw it with Delta when that spread so quickly, when there were just the questions about restricting travel from Europe, when that was spreading there uh, earlier in the summer. 
ultimately, you know, a lot of the, by the time some of these are detected, it's a little bit too late to kind of close off some of the borders. That's a message that the CDC has kind of admitted to and saying, clearly it has spread. And now our job is to try to slow the spread of Omicron here. So there are other kind of more domestic measures that are being looked at, particularly we're hearing a lot here in D.C. about this potential for a vaccine mandate for domestic travel. Pretty controversial uh, measure, but it is something that the president has said that he is considering and waiting on the recommendation from his medical team on that. Well, uh, earlier, Dr. Fauci had said, uh, I guess, uh, early this month that the ban uh, was put into place at a time when we were really in the dark about Omicron. Are we, is he saying we're no longer in the dark? I, I wish I could say we were no longer in the dark, but as, you know, trying to follow this on a daily basis and follow what exactly the White House COVID response team is saying, sure. there's still a lot we don't know. I mean, just yesterday, the CDC kind of revised its estimate for how prevalent Omicron is. We don't really know exactly how long the incubation period is. That, that's that been revised in the last day or so. So ultimately, sure, we know that there is some positive news on the vaccine front, and that's a message that the administration is pushing, saying that if you're vaccinated and especially if you're boosted, you're less likely to contract severe disease because of Omicron. And so that was one of the reasons they gave in saying, look, if you get those vaccines and if you get your booster shots, we shouldn't need these kinds of restrictions in place. But ultimately, the, you know, there are still a lot of people here who, who are neither boosted nor vaccinated. So there are other things that they need to be taking into consideration. Elizabeth, I know you keep track of all this stuff and I find it difficult. And I'm wondering, how do you do it? Do you use a whiteboard, <laughs> flashcards, uh, you know, what, 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 you got <laughs> notes everywhere, sticky notes. How do you do it? A lot of notes that I have to say I am constantly erasing and changing the notes. You have to use either a, a document that you can make edits on and you have to a whiteboard is actually a good idea. <laughs> but but the, the guidance is changing so quickly, especially we've seen, you know, kind of Omicron has been on, a, on an escalated scale here, how fast the, the guidance is changing, mm-hmm. the types of restrictions that went into place. I mean, the, the travel restrictions, as an example, Within a day of the reveal of the Omicron variant, these travel bans on these eight countries in Africa were in place. So to kind of keep track of exactly what steps are being taken from the Biden administration in itself requires a lot of edits and a lot of back and forth. Plus, you know, we are trying to hold a lot of these officials and, and and the press secretary accountable when they say that they're doing something for one reason and then it changes maybe the next day for another reason. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, I don't think re- I don't think people understand what reporters have to go through, just like what you said. <laughs> well, we, ho- we hold people accountable. But, you know, the CDC, the administration, they have days to come up with. OK, we're going to mm-hmm. change this right now. And then it all, all of a sudden it comes out and it's up to you to tell us exactly what it is. Yeah, and this was, you know, even this this travel ban lifting of these uh, travel bans was an interesting announcement. It just was a single statement that came out from the White House. President Biden had nothing on his public schedule yesterday. It was pretty quiet. He's over in Delaware. We're not, you know, it's it's been a little bit of the holiday mode, at least for a couple days here. But now today there's this news and the White House COVID team is briefing today. So you've just sort of got to stay on your toes, which is the message they're trying to send, of course, is that they're on top of this. Regardless of where the president is or regardless of what the rest of America is doing, they're, they're trying to stay in front of the messaging on this, keeping us all busy, I guess, on the holiday time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I was on the CDC website uh, yesterday looking for some stuff that I knew existed and it wasn't even there yet. 
And I'm yeah. and I'm yeah. wondering, what, do you see that happen very often? Yes, that can be frustrating when these releases come out and you get even nuggets from uh, from statements in an email, and then you try to find it so that you can share it more widely, and it, it's often not quite there yet. The pace at which the information is changing is part- is proven to be, honestly, a challenge, yeah. even for the CDC. Sometimes the guidance isn't updated fast enough to reflect what they're saying, so that causes even more confusion than we already have. You know, just getting the information out there, and, and we're, we are seeing a bit of a kind of public push. For example, the CDC director was on Good Morning America this morning. They are trying to clarify exactly exactly what they know and what they don't know. But the problem is that things are still changing every day. Yeah, really. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, Thanks for giving us a a look into the uh, uh, background of how we get all this information out to people, because it's uh, it's really amazing. I appreciate it. It, It's a a trick. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Chris. Yeah. All right. We'll talk later. It is uh, 512 on your wake up call. When we come back, we will be um, uh, talking with ABC News investigative reporter Aaron Katursky. Uh, forecast models used by the CDC suggest the cases, hospitalizations, and deaths are going to rise over the next four weeks. According to the models, uh, this is a crazy number, the U.S. death toll could exceed 850,000 by January 22nd. Uh, Aaron will have more on that. Right now, we need to take a look at your drive from the Southern California Toyota Dealers Traffic Center. We make it easy. Uh, we've got a crash in Tustin on Surface Street, so this must be a bad one. Yeah, and it definitely is, Chris. Uh, Tustin Ranch Road is southbound between Jamboree and Pioneer. All southbound lanes are shut down right now. It's been there for a couple of hours, and that is going to be a really rough ride for you first thing this morning. So plan ahead through the Tustin area to use a Jamboree as your alternate to Tustin Ranch Road. will definitely save you a bit of time this morning, although delays are pretty rough for the area. As you're making your way out of the uh, Riverside uh, stretch of the 91, continuing through Orange County, going to take you about a 35 to 40 minutes as you head out of downtown Riverside, continuing through Anaheim and Fullerton. And also looking at a problem continuing for you in uh, the Valley Village area on the northbound side of the 101 near Laurel Canyon Boulevard. The crashes of three right lane shutdown. That'll be heavy for you coming away from the split with the 170. KFI in the sky helps get to there faster. I'm Nick Pagliocchini. If you own a business and manage to keep five or more people on the payroll through the pandemic, there's a new government program that will pay you tens of thousands of dollars per employee. And this is not a loan. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Jennifer Jones Lee is out. I am in for her. Here's some of the stories we are following in the 24 hour KFI newsroom. Relatives of a 14 year old girl who was killed by LAPD last week say she loved skateboarding and had dreams of becoming an engineer to build robots. The young girl was struck while hiding in a dressing room as an officer was aiming rifle rounds at a man suspected of assaulting customers at the Burlington store in North Hollywood. Police say one of the bullets ricocheted off the floor, went through the wall, and hit the girl. Rain and snow are going to return to Southern California starting this morning. Forecasters say there will be several inches of rain over the next two days and a few feet of snow in the mountains. Voluntary evacuations warnings will go into effect at 10 o'clock for the Silverado, Williams, and Majeska Canyon areas because of possible mudslides. Governor Newsom must soon decide whether to free one of America's most notorious assassins. It's a decision the governor has said evokes one of the darkest periods of the nation's history. The governor has 
until sometime next month to allow or block the parole recommendation for Robert F. Kennedy assassin Sirhan Sirhan. Coming up at 535, we're going to talk with uh, ABC News correspondent Jim Ryan. Preservationists in Virginia have opened a time capsule that was planted beneath an equestrian statue of General Robert E. Lee in 1887. Uh, Jim's going to tell us what was inside that copper box and why everybody's so excited about it. Forecast models used by the CDC suggest that hospitalizations and deaths are going to rise over the next four weeks. We're going to say good morning now to ABC's Aaron Katursky. Of particular note, Aaron, to many is probably the projection of the number of deaths in that four-week span. Yeah, but by the time we're into the uh, you know latter part of January, the, the U.S. total death count from coronavirus, Chris, could be 860,000. It's just an insane number when you think yeah. about it as we're preparing to enter a third year of the pandemic. Uh, and, and it comes as the caseload is rising uh, on average 250,000 a day and, and only expected to increase here over the next couple of weeks as Omicron marches across the country. Wow. Um, I heard that uh, or read that Florida, New Jersey, New York, Delaware and Massachusetts uh, are reporting a lot more cases uh, than any other point in the pandemic. So uh, we would assume that a lot of the deaths will be there. Well, some could. Um, many of those states are also high vaccination states. So mm-hmm. the good news is that the cases could well be mild um, because it's the unvaccinated that are, by and large, going to the hospital now. That's especially true for kids. Mm-hmm. And there's a real concern, not that Omicron is more severe for kids, but that uh, the vast majority of 5 to 11-year-olds in the country are unvaccinated and, and therefore unprotected from a more severe outcome if they do contract the Omicron variant. So five to seven year old or five to 11 year old kids are unvaccinated. And um, is there a push to get them vaccinated? Oh, yeah. I mean, there has been for 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 a long time, uh, you know, ever since they became eligible. Yeah. Um, but but only, you know, I think it's about 20 percent of five to 11 year olds are, are actually vaccinated. Um, I know when we got my daughter vaccinated, she's nine. It was like a you know, she felt heroic. Um, and and oh, yeah. the, uh, a lot of parents, you know, uh, rushed to do it. Others have been reluctant or hesitant for whatever reason. But um, the, the consequences now are becoming pretty clear in, in the number of pediatric hospitalizations. Just here in New York City, they're up fivefold over the past wow. couple of weeks. Is that um, idea of not getting, you know, these five to 11 year olds vaccinated, is that changing at all? I mean, in, in, you know, in the parents' minds that you've uh, seen at all? You know, it's hard to say uh, there has not by any statistical measure been a clamor for vaccines all of a sudden, mm-hmm. uh, despite the, the increase in, in Omicron cases. But maybe that changes as, as more severe outcomes become more apparent. Um, but you know, the, the public health officials say the concern is quite real. Um, in New York City, I know they're doubling the PCR testing, you know, for school kids. Apparently, um, it's part of the city's plan to keep the school district open. Um, but it yep. takes one to three days to get those tests back. So that seems kind of like, um, I, I, I don't want to say counterintuitive, but not terribly helpful. Well, and, and they're hoping to shorten it, but they'll also use some rapid antigen tests, even though the FDA says they may be less sensitive to Omicron. Right. We heard from the director of the CDC this morning, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, that when you use the rapid antigen test very frequently, like you would to stay in school and keep schools open or to keep offices open or for travel, 
if you know you're testing frequently, mm-hmm. then it does give you a pretty good measure about the, the caseload in, in your particular building or school or whatever. Right. So they're, they're pretty confident uh, that the schools here anyway can open on time January 3rd after break and then stay open with a doubling in the, in the amount of testing. Hmm. Uh, you know, of course, we're talking about Omicron, but Delta is still out there. Sure is. Uh, and, and the, um, you know, the kind of a collision of the two is, yeah. is what has made this uh, a rather um, a booming time for, for the virus. And, and uh, undoubtedly, it'll, it'll ebb at some point, but it just may be another number of weeks of this, you know, sky high caseload before it's over. Yeah, and then just one last thing that uh, I saw last night at uh, a laboratory study done in South Africa uh, showed that people who have recovered from Omicron uh, may be able to fend off later infections from Delta. Well, that would be good, wouldn't it? I mean, if if, yeah. if all of a sudden, if all these people that are catching it, if, if, if especially if they're mild cases, can develop some antibodies, that would give you, you know, a... Uh, uh, um, you know, communal immunity in, in right. some cases, and, and maybe, you know, it makes the next thing a little less severe. The, the problem, and, and we've heard Dr. Fauci articulate this, the, the problem is the country keeps going from peak to valley and then right. back to peak again. Mm-hmm. So if, if there's a way to stem the, the flow, right, the roller coaster, and, and keep it, uh, in, you know, keep it steadily low, because it's not going to disappear. It may be endemic, but, but if you can keep it steadily low, that would... That would certainly go a long way to, to getting the country back on, on better footing. I got gotcha. you. I'm on a mission today to try to figure out how to keep track of all this stuff. And I was talking to your colleague, Elizabeth Schultze, earlier, and I asked her if she's what using sticky notes, whiteboards, or what. How do you keep track of all this stuff, Aaron? It's, it's, you know, it's not easy. It, just, it, it changes so much, and there's always you know, something else. Um, but you, know, you don't have to do it yourself. The, the CDC is keeping track, you know, the FDA tracking the, uh, the the latest advancements in, in medicines and therapies and uh, and and you hope the combination of the two you know gives you a, a reliable picture of what's happening in the country but the picture right now you don't need you don't need a whiteboard or, or color-coded pens to, to know that the, the situation in the country now is, is really really severe yeah that's true all right Aaron Katursky thanks a lot I appreciate it I appreciate thanks, uh, all of your reporting with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now back to some of the stories we're working on in the 24-hour KFI newsroom. California has become the first state to record more than 5 million known COVID-19 infections. Holiday parties and family gatherings forced indoor by winter storms have apparently boosted the infection rate. The number of people in the hospital with COVID has shot up about 12% in the last seven days to 4,400. That's still less than half as many as during the late summer peak. Four women say UCLA gynecologists pretended uh, lewd behavior uh, was part of a bogus academic study. 
Uh, Jane Doe 1 says Dr. Edward Weissmeyer sexually tortured and experimented on her. I didn't know until the UCLA report came out that what he did was wrong. There was no way for me to know in my early 20s that what he did wasn't right. The lawsuit says two of the women were also sexually abused by Dr. James Heaps, who has pleaded not guilty to 21 felonies. UCLA says sexual misconduct is inexcusable and violators will be held accountable. 600,000 uninsured people in the L.A. area could owe $127,000 in medical bills if COVID-19 sends them to the ICU. Covered California Executive Director Peter Lee says many local insurance agents can help 85% of those people sign up for free state insurance. Find someone close to you, talk to them about what you're interested in, the doctors you've got, your hospitals you want to go to. They can get you across that finish line, and their services are always free. Lee says people can either enter their zip code at CoveredCA.com to find an agent. Uh, he says people have until Friday's enrollment deadline to sign up and get covered by the first. I was on I'd like to just sit down now and uh, put my feet up, listen to this, and relax. This is KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Jennifer Jones-Lee is on vacation. I'm Chris Little, sitting in her chair. Here's some of the stories we're following in the 24-hour KFI newsroom. A long-feared spike in hospitalizations because of COVID-19 may be materializing at uh, health facilities here in Southern California. NFL Hall of Famer John Madden has died. He was one of the most recognizable ambassadors of professional football. Former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid has died. Reid was the longest-serving member of Congress for Nevada. Rain and snow is going to make a dramatic return to the Southland this morning, dropping up to several inches of rain over the next two days and bringing a few feet of snow to the mountains. At 5.53, we're going to talk with ABC's Tom Rivers. Palestinian President, uh, President Mahmoud Abbas paid a rare visit to Israel on Tuesday uh, for some talks with the Israeli defense minister. Israel's new prime minister, though, opposes Palestinian independence and has ruled out formal peace talks. But this meeting was aimed at reducing tensions between the two sides. We'll find out from Tom if... Any tension was reduced. But right now we're going to talk with ABC's Jim Ryan about the second time capsule that was found, uh, well, not found beneath, but uh, one was found beneath and the other one was found, I guess, above the uh, pedestal of an equestrian statue of General Robert E. Lee in 1887. Hey, Jim, it appears the time capsule enthusiasts are excited. Well, they are, sure. Yeah, the, the one that was found last week and opened up was actually up in the pedestal. It was about 20 feet up off the ground, so you would think that it would have been in better shape. Well, it wasn't necessarily. The one that was found uh, Monday and opened yesterday, big copper box that was buried beneath the foundation of that equestrian statue, they opened it up and the stuff inside, some of it was wet, kind of wet, but it was all in pretty good shape. Things were legible. There were documents, books. There was a, a Bible in there, some musket shells. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a, a reason for excitement in the historical community. A lot of it is very uh, germane only to Richmond, Virginia. But yeah. I think historians will be looking at this there very carefully, Chris. Uh, how 
deep was the thing buried? Not very, maybe three or four feet under the foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, they moved aside this 3,000-pound capstone that uh, the the base of the statue sat on, and that's when they found this little opening down into the place where they found the copper box. Well, if, if that box was three or four feet down and uh, the capstone was on top of it, uh, why'd the bomb squad have to come out and take a look at the box? <laughs> well, because there, there was a pretty good list of what was going to be found in that box that was published in the newspaper in Richmond in 1887 when the, uh, the, the statue was dedicated and there were stories about the time capsule and what was inside it at the time. So these contemporary newspaper articles suggested that there was a shell and a, a, a ammunition shell of you know like a a, a cannonball from uh, the battle oh it was that big okay i right. thought it was well, just a bullet yeah so they got the thing so the bomb squad x-rayed the box and they could see books and they could see some ammunition and and other stuff in there uh, they opened it up and found it was just a fragment of that shell it wasn't an actual oh. whole uh, cannonball so it wasn't live ordinance. So, yeah, everyone walked away just waving their hands in the air like, what the heck are we doing out of here? Out here. Uh, so this box weighed uh, 36 pounds. I'm assuming it didn't just pop open. No, it didn't. And for, for a good reason. I mean, they sealed it up very well when they put the thing in the ground. It was copper. Uh, the, the box and its contents weighed 36 pounds. And its contents, you know, comprised damp books and documents and things so a lot of the weight was what was inside the box itself probably weighed oh 12 15 pounds or so mm -hmm. of, of copper and they were smart because that uh, repelled water it also repelled any kind of bugs or sort of uh, mold that might have grown inside the box oh. they opened it up and one of the historians said this uh, doesn't reek nearly as badly as a lot of other time capsules i've opened up Oh, well, that's interesting. And I, now you said earlier there was a um, an article in a paper about what was buried in the box. Did it say where the box was buried? Yes. Well, it gave the general location as mm -hmm. being on one corner of the foundation of this uh, monument uh, under the oh, capstone. So they had a pretty good idea of where it was. So, but at the same time, when the when the time capsule was found last week up in the pedestal. A lot of historians thought, well, I guess this is what they're talking about, but uh, there, there's nothing that was in that box that was in the newspaper articles from the time. So mm -hmm. I think the thinking was that there was a second one. It's thought now that the first uh, time capsule was put inside the pedestal by the builders of the monument. The the guys who you know were contracted to build this thing thought, you know what, let's put our own uh, monument or our own little time capsule mm -hmm. inside this granite block. So they did. And uh, that's how they got away with it. And that and that ended up boring everybody, that one? It did. And even the stuff, even the, the box that was open yesterday, it didn't contain anything super rare. You can get right. uh, Confederate money. You can buy the stuff in collectors and have it in, in their possession. And it, it, but, but it does give us a snapshot of what people were thinking about at the time. So in, I think in that way, it's, a, it's an important historical find. They might have been thinking about, man, i got to put something in that box. What have I got? Oh, here's a coin. Uh, here's a Bible. I'm not reading yeah. it anymore. Uh, here's a photo. I was interested in the photo uh, uh, of Lincoln after yeah. his death. So he died in 1865. So that was like a 22-year-old image. Yeah, well, it would have been at the seventeen year at the time, but it wasn't. It wasn't an actual photograph at all. At least not what they've found. Oh. There was a a photo from Harper's Weekly. It was an, it was actually a Thomas Nast illustration 
from uh, a few years before the dedication of the monument there. So it had kind of been folded up and put away and then put into the uh, time capsules. It wasn't in Mm -hmm. super great shape in the first place, but it was a picture or an illustration of Lady Liberty weeping over the casket of Abraham Lincoln, the closed casket of Abraham Lincoln. So it wasn't a photograph, and it wasn't, uh, I think, as advertised. There was a photograph inside the box, but we haven't uh, heard yet what that photo was. Well, what's the holdup? Well, they've got to uh, preserve everything. Everything was taken out of there. The documents, many of them are being frozen uh, as part of the preservation process. Uh, There's blotter paper being put between the pages of the books and the other documents that were there to ensure that they dry out properly. So uh, a lot of this stuff we won't really see much of until the preservation is done. But then I suspect a lot of it will go on display, including the box. Yeah, but while they're preserving it, they got to look at this stuff, right? If they're going to put blotter paper in there, they they can look on uh, the pages on both sides of that piece of paper and then give us a little hint of uh, what's going on but i guess they're not into that well they they did disclose a lot uh, yesterday they well were we very, want more yeah. <laughs> well we'll get more I'm, I'm sure as they continue this process of looking at everything yeah. and it's interesting stuff yeah and so uh what are the plans for the bounty where's it all going to wind up in it'll stay there in richmond it becomes the property of the the commonwealth of virginia mm-hmm. and so that's where it'll stay virginia department of historic resources the laboratory there at richmond they'll handle the preservation and uh, restoration if they need to and then at some point this stuff will likely put, be put on display somewhere okay and that's what i was going to ask you i mean they have a lot of historical stuff back back there they have a special place for you know uh time capsules and stuff yeah. like that yeah, absolutely. The 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 blotter paper, the, the silica gel is being put onto the the time capsule itself to preserve the copper. Oh, uh, so they're handling everything very carefully. It looked almost like a, a, a an operating room as they were opening the stuff up yesterday. It was live streamed to the world. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I saw a photo, and there were a ton of cameras in there. And yeah. it, it's interesting to me because um, you know when I was a kid, we made time capsules, so we'd you know put in a pen. Or, uh, you know, something, and then we'd stick it in a, uh, you know, in the side of a building in a school. And um, I, with a predetermined time, I think, of somebody's going to come and discover the time capsule. But yeah. then when they do, it's just a bunch of stupid stuff that the kids put in there. But uh, apparently this is a little more interesting. A couple of weeks earlier, yeah. It's not yeah. much changed in the 12 days since they put it in. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> all right, Jim. Well, th- uh, thanks a lot. Uh, oh, right. hey, have you ever put anything in a time capsule? Uh I think I did the same sort of dumb stuff that you guys did. Put a shoebox with stuff in it, bury it in the backyard, and then, you know, get curious <laughs> 10 or 12 days later and, and dig it up. It just, it was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. All, all right. See you. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to some of the stories we are uh, working on in the 24-hour KFI newsroom. The parents of that 14-year-old girl who was accidentally shot by police in North Hollywood say they want transparency. Uh, As the shooting is investigated, the girl's family attorney, Ben Crump, read a statement uh, from the girl's mother during a press conference yesterday detailing what happened. Uh, The mom says after her daughter was shot, police did not initially show up to help. When the police finally came, they took me out of the dressing room and left my daughter laying there. I wanted them to help her, but they just left her laying there alone. Attorneys for the girl's parents say they want all the evidence around the shooting to be made available. They say there is more video than what has been released.
The pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong has suffered another setback. Stand News online media outlet says it will cease operations. Police raided its offices and arrested six people on charges of conspiracy to publish a seditious publication. Oh, and here's Betty White's secret for uh, living to be 100. Um, By the way, you want to send her a gift, you've got till January 17th. Betty White will be 100 on January 17th, and uh, she told People Magazine that one of her secrets to aging gracefully has been maintaining her sense of optimism. Uh, She said that it's a choice. She gets up every day and decides to be optimistic, and it apparently works. Um, she wakes up every day, like I said, and chooses to be optimistic and she likes to be bubbly. And she also does crossword puzzles, uh, watches animal documentaries, watches Jeopardy, plays card games, and she golfs. So uh, she also said she tries to avoid anything green. And I think she was joking. So there you go. Betty White, her secrets for living to 100. Happy birthday on January 17th. KFI AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Jennifer Jones Lee is on vacation. This is your wake-up call. I'm Chris Little. Long Beach Police Chief Robert Luna has tested positive for COVID-19. The police department says Luna is isolating at home. They say he's in good spirits and he believes his symptoms could have been much worse if he were not vaccinated and he's about to retire. Tony-winning actor Hugh Jackman has tested positive for COVID, according to a video that he posted on social media. Looks like just about everybody's testing positive for COVID. Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas paid a rare visit to Israel on Tuesday for talks with Israel's defense minister. It was his second meeting with uh, the defense minister, Benny Gantz. Uh, Israel's new prime minister, though, uh, Naftali Bennett, opposes Palestinian independence and has ruled out formal peace talks. But this meeting apparently was aimed at reducing tensions between the two sides. ABC's Tom Rivers is with us. Hi, Tom. Where did they meet? And was there any reduction in the tension? Yeah, they met at uh, the private residence of uh, Benny Gantz, uh, the outskirts of Tel Aviv. And uh, the optics were good. Uh, Uh As you say, it was the first time that uh, Mahmoud Abbas has held a meeting with a senior Israeli official on Israeli soil for, what, 11 years? Yeah. Uh, so that's good. But, again, you have to go back to, uh, you know, the Israeli Prime Minister Bennett. He does not want to go down the road of even contemplating a two-state solution. So what, you know, what came out of this? It was kind of your, kind of your uh, domestic, if you will, kitchen table kind of issues just to, uh, if you will, increase security coordination between Israel and uh, the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank. And a confidence-building measure as well. Um, example, uh, Israel collects taxes, uh, tax payments for the Palestinian authorities. That's been held up. They've now loosened that up, get the money to, uh, to the PA. Also, authorization of hundreds of permits for Palestinian merchants. So, you know, kind of day-in, day-out kind of things, but not, if you will, you know, the opening gambit of a, of a new peace initiative. Sure. That was not what this was about. Yeah, and it seems like that is never going to happen, at least if you uh, listen to Bennett, who is, has said that uh, 
uh, Palestinian statehood would be, as he put it, a terrible mistake. So, um, you, you know, it just, I guess it seems to me, and this is maybe has always been this way, that one part of the government is doing one thing and the other part of the government is uh, doing another thing, and they're both winking at each other. But is there ever, you know, is the idea to come to a peaceful conclusion or what is the idea? Well, again, the two-state solution has been around for decades and decades and decades. Um, yeah, but they keep, doing, they keep talking about it. Is, it's, 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 it's day has come and gone. Uh, let's just have one country where where Jews and Palestinians live equally under the law, the mm-hmm. same laws. And, uh, you know, that, that's another way of solving the puzzle. Right. Um, but again, we're, we're, none, we're not further down the road, either of those two possibilities at this yeah. stage. And, uh, you know, although the Biden administration says it would like to go back and, yes, pull out the old dusty file, say we'd like a two-state solution, please. Um, but again, uh, who's, who wants to talk about that right now in Israel? Hardly anyone. Well, it seems like Naftali is trying to do uh, something. He said he wants to reduce friction with the Palestinian Authority and sure. and improve living conditions, uh, uh, you know, uh, in the Israeli-occupied West Bank. And it looks like he also wants to uh, provide some economic uh, changes, which will, of course, uh, benefit Israel. Yeah, well, again, and the other thing is, too, it is an all altruistic, um, you know, a better relationship with uh, with Abbas and the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank means that uh, they strengthen that card, whereby you know you, you may not see Hamas growing as they did in in Gaza. So they they don't want that to happen in the West Bank. So you try to keep, uh, if you will, the Palestinian Authority a bit sweeter. And uh, do what you can to uh, to keep Hamas out of the uh, out of the West Bank. All right. Well, Tom, uh, th- thanks a lot. It's 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 one of these uh, stories that just doesn't seem to change. But um, you know, we're going to keep on it. There's always a lot of interest in it, and uh, I appreciate you uh, keeping your eye on it for us. We'll talk later. Uh, the parents of the 14 year old girl who was accidentally shot and killed by police in uh, North Hollywood. Uh, are demanding transparency while the shooting is investigated. Valentina Life Matters! Valentina Life Matters! The girl's mother says her daughter was shot as the two were hiding in a dressing room. An attorney for the family read a statement from the girl's mother detailing the moments her daughter was shot. Her body went limp. I tried to wake up by shaking her but she didn't wake up. Attorneys for the girl's family say they want all of the evidence around the girl's killing to be made available. They say they believe there is more video than what has been released. In downtown LA, Blake Trolley, KFI News. Uh-oh, this might be a bad mom. Uh, the TSA in Philadelphia uh, says a woman and her young son uh, were trying to get on a plane uh, with two knives, uh, but they were sewn into the middle of a stuffed Darth Vader bear. This happened on Monday. Of course, they x-rayed it and it showed something hidden in there. And uh, officers say that they noticed that the bear had been restitched and that two knives were, as they put it, artfully hidden inside in the middle of the bear's stuffing. Uh, the woman told the uh, TSA that the bear was a comfort toy for her son and uh, she is likely to face a fine or some other federal civil penalty. 
Uh, despite reviews, we've heard this before, we've talked about it a little bit, uh, but we've never really gone into detail. Steven Spielberg's West Side Story has failed to gain traction with audiences at the box office. Box office analysts say it suffered because it was uh, targeted at older audiences uh, who are yeah, kind of hesitant to return to uh, cinemas during the COVID pandemic. And it also uh, uh, lacked a major star and... Uh, it was up against Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, the, it only made $36 million so far, but the production budget was around $100 million, not including marketing costs. And uh, the chief analyst for BoxOffice.com says um, it was West Side Story was uh, largely a victim of timing and inability to attract younger moviegoers um, because the target audience is women uh, over 35 and uh, they like to go to most musicals, but uh, they don't really like to go out and get exposed to the possibility of getting COVID, apparently. This is KFI and KOSTHD2 Los Angeles. I'm Chris Little. This has been your wake-up call. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.